0: Good morning and welcome to episode 548 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the baseballreference.com play index. I am Ben Lindbergh of grantland.com, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Howdy. Baseball takes a long time.
1: Yeah. Nobody was complaining that that game took a long time.
0: No. Like, I did
1: not hear any calls to. To, like like when Kevin Jepsen threw the final intentional ball to Alex Gordon, mm-hmm. I did not yell at my TV, just let him go to first. <laughs> Speed up this process.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that. It's the, it's the playoffs, so we don't get a chance to talk about non-playoff things, but I presume that you have read about the Arizona Fall League pace of play initiatives so that would be one of them that's one of the things that is going to be tested in the AL- AFL this year is automatic intentional walks no more throwing four balls just signaling for a walk how do you feel yeah. about that
1: um, I'm fine with it yeah that seems reasonable I mean if I don't know I, I, there's like once a, once a every day eight years or so Yeah. So, somebody does screw something up and right. Kevin Jepsen did as I noted Kevin Jepsen once threw a wild pitch mm-hmm. uh and cost the angels a game on a intentional ball um I do like the uh, um sort of uh I do like the variance in different pitchers intentional balls I wrote a couple of pieces last what, what a year and a half ago that you edited about intentional ball throwing uh mm-hmm. and how, like, uh, I think it's Calvin Herrera, I think, who throws them, like, 94. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you have other people who throw them, like, 55. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people can't control it. And some people accidentally throw it over the strike zone. And, I mean, that's a uh, that's fun if you're just, like, trying to find off-season material to write about. But it's not necessary for the game. I mean, you could add all sorts of trivial quirks if you just want to see ballplayers... Uh, doing things that are like less athletic than the things that they're supposed to be doing.
0: If only Herrera had taken it easy on those intentional balls, probably be healthy now. Yeah, I might be misremembering who that is, but yeah. So the other experiment are going to be a pitch clock, which is what you feared. Are you upset about the pitch clock? Uh, did I fear it? Why? Yes, why
1: really? In my. <laughs> In my head, I loved that idea. What happened? <laughs> I don't what, think so. I think what you were was my opposition to it?
0: The anxiety. I think you were so worried about seeing a counting number that you would just be focusing on that and not the game.
1: Huh. That is why I feel like I like the idea
0: because
1: <laughs> it sounds huh. ang- well. anxiety-inducing. Uh, I, um, I, I don't, I don't remember why I was against. It is through the 92.1 mile an hour intention <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Uh ball. So there's a pitch clock to limit the number of time pitchers can hold the ball. Uh, there's a pitch clock for between innings breaks, which is two minutes and five seconds. And hitters are supposed to be in the box by the one minute, 45 second rule. Um, pitching changes pitch clock. There are restrictions on hitters stepping out of the batter's box so pretty much, uh, and also limits on mound visits, right? So it's pretty much everything that we discussed or that anyone ever discussed as a possible measure of shortening games. So that's that's good. It's good that they're testing them all in an environment where it doesn't really matter if things get weird. And hopefully whatever turns out to work well in the AFL will be tried out in spring training and then the real thing and they'll keep whatever works
1: this intentional balls piece that i wrote is super fun (laughs) yeah yeah Uh,
0: i enjoyed it i like
1: this piece link to it on the facebook page (laughs) this is a delightful piece
0: okay i will
1: kelvin herrera threw 92.1 but herrera's average fastball that year was like 98 so Mm. uh henderson alvarez was the leader for percentage of actual average fastball speed uh-huh. because Henderson Alvarez threw a fastball 93 on average and an intentional ball at 91.4.
0: <laughs>
1: so basically as hard as he can throw it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Uh, and then um, Brian Villarreal threw one 41 miles an hour.
0: Wow. Yeah. Huh. I'm surprised that even registers at that speed.
1: There's, uh, I just want to, I encourage everybody to read this piece. <laughs> no, Nobody else, Nobody will if I don't encourage you to. Nobody did. Nobody did when it was new and on the site. And now it's two years old. And uh, about the exact opposite of the thing we're paying attention to, which is like tense baseball games. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's jokes. There's a good picture of Henderson Alvarez's gum.
0: <laughs> well, you can find a link at facebook.com slash group and if that right. hasn't been incentive to join the last hundred times I've told people to join, then this will probably let's, do it. Let's get this thing trending, people. <laughs> okay, so we saw a couple baseball games today. The Tigers-Orioles game seems like it ended a very long time ago. It it was kind of a long time ago at this point. Is there anything to say from that game other than the, the very obvious point that the Tigers' weaknesses came back to bite them, and and that was how we thought the Tigers might lose games, or we thought that was what their weaknesses were, that, that they don't field very well and they don't have a great bullpen, and that happened. It was a close game for most of it. It looks very lopsided if you look at the final score, but... It was it was a one-run game, and then the eighth inning happened, and there was a a fielding error on a on the shortstop Andrew Romine on a pretty pretty routine play, and after that, the Tigers bullpen was unable to record an out for a very long time.
1: Why do the Tigers have such a bad bullpen? I mean, this has been going on yeah. for years, mm-hmm. and the, it, it's not as though they haven't invested in it. It's not as though the moves they make are the, like there's no brand in leagues here. I mean, haven't they basically done what the Angels have done, which is you know try a try some different. You know, they've they've gone out and they've gotten some guys who are flyers and some guys who seem like they should be reasonably sure and import, You know, brought some guys up from their major uh, from the minors and uh, traded for some guys, and yet every year. T- I mean look the the Angels for instance have like six former closers like all they did is they just went out and got cl- guys who used to be closers and or some still were and threw them on the bullpen and it worked they've got a bunch of really good pitchers and the Tigers basically did that too and they have nothing they have nobody they can count on they I mean
0: yeah,
1: it, Soria it really is. Soria <laughs> Soria is Soria is like um, I mean, the Angels went out and got Houston Street. He comes in. I don't think he's allowed a hit since they got him. Mm-hmm. He's been insanely good against righties, against lefties. He just can't be stopped. Soria, though, had when when they got him, he had a 1.06 FIP. He yeah. was the best. He was arguably the best reliever in baseball up mm-hmm. to that point. And his FIP is actually skewed. Because a quarter of his walks were intentional, so if you take those out, then it's even better. And yet they get him. He doesn't pitch that well down the stretch. He what probably got hurt. He he, did. he disappears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now he comes in and he allows three or four today.
0: Right. I mean, and... <laughs>
1: Joe Nathan last year. I, I wasn't a big, I wasn't a huge fan of the Joe Nathan deal because
0: mm-hmm.
1: he had uh, it seemed like his velocity was dropping last year and um, and all that. But on the other hand, last year. He had like the eighth best ERA in history or something like absurd. It was like he had the best year of his career. And mm-hmm. this year he has uh, allowed uh, – his, his ERA is uh, almost quadrupled.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, really sort of a dire situation out there right now. There's no one that you feel comfortable uh, giving the ball to except, I mean, maybe – Maybe Anibal Sanchez, and I, I understand why they didn't use him today. Maybe they wanted to save him for the Verlander game just in case they need someone to go multiple innings. But if you're not going to use him, then there's just no one. There's really no one that you can feel confident in. I mean, maybe, maybe Soria is trustworthy and we're reacting to a, a small sample of his with the Tigers, but... Since he was hurt and he hasn't pitched well, he doesn't seem to be anything close to a lock right now. And Jabba Chamberlain, uh, whoever was, was calling that game, said that he'd been consistent all season. But that's pretty much the opposite of the case. Certainly in the second half, he has been every bit as shaky as as Nathan or anyone else out there. And I mean, maybe Albuquerque has like pretty good-looking stats, but I, he's still... I don't know, he's still Albuquerque, he's still sort of shaky, so it's it's uh, a there's really no one, there really isn't even one guy that you say like, we just have to get the guy we just have to get the game to this guy there isn't even that guy so I, I don't know how they got to that point, they have they have a bunch of just hard throwing guys and that seems to be a strategy that works for other teams, they have guys like Evan Reed and Luke Pakonen and all these people who just sort of throw straight hard fastballs but that seems to be a formula that that works for some teams just stockpile guys who throw hard and some of them turn out to be good relievers and it has not happened for the Tigers and this is going on a few years now this most of this run that they've been on where they've won the division four years in a row and they've Got this core of great starting pitching and Miguel Cabrera and other sluggers and this just seems to be an Achilles heel every year.
1: Yeah, it does. It's it's really weird. I mean, it feels like at this point there's like three bad bullpens in all of baseball.
0: And uh-huh.
1: and the Tigers are always one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they invest and they've probably invested more in their bullpens than most teams. And they don't seem to be making bad moves on their face. Other than, other than you have to assume that this is probably Phil Coke's fault, right? Like, <laughs> Phil Koch is the, he is, he is the mole. He is in that old Anderson Cooper reality show. He is the mole. And he's really good at being the mole. So we never quite catch him.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's something that we have to start Digging Dombrowski for I made a joke during the game that he's really good at making trades and really bad at building bullpen, so he should just trade for a new bullpen every year. And he has done that to a certain extent, but even the bullpen trades don't seem to work out all that. You
1: don't yeah, you don't really think you don't think it you don't really think Dombrowski's bad at building a bullpen though, do you? I mean Uh, it he hasn't built a bullpen, but what like do you think that you would have been able to pick out the bad bullpen each year based on the players that they had added? I mean, if I had shown you the Tigers' bullpen in uh, January and said, oh, and they're also going to get Soria, and then I'd shown you the Angels' bullpen and I'd said, oh, and they're also going to get Houston Street, Mm -hmm. would you have picked out the one that was going to be amazing and the one that was going to be terrible? Or with the Royals, would you have picked out the Royals' bullpen going into this year? I mean, Holland was a stud. Who else was?
0: I mean, it's probably fair to assume that if Davis was in the bullpen, that he'd be pretty good. He had been very good in the bullpen once before, uh-huh. but and uh, I mean Holland is just kind of your failed starter who panned out, but he was clearly going to be good going into this year. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't have. Maybe the Royals, just because the Royals had a really, really good bullpen last year too. So it's not a total shock that they do this year, but. But the angels, you're right, and many other bullpens that turned out to be good, you're right. So I don't, I don't this know was, that it's this enough. was the
1: knock. It was the knock on on Depoto going into this year too. That yeah, Depoto right. couldn't build a bullpen.
0: Right. So I don't know. It's hard to build bullpens, I, I guess, even though it seems like a lot of teams have good ones, but not the Tigers. So that was the story of that game, I suppose. Not to shortchange Chris Tillman and and uh, Buck Walter who. Got a lot of credit for going to his bullpen early, which seemed to me sort of unmerited in that Tillman had thrown, I think, 105 pitches and was not, not the sharpest. He was going to a ton of deep counts on guys who don't normally go to deep counts. Ian Kinsler seeing 10 pitches per play to clearance against Tillman. Um So that didn't seem to me to be that noteworthy a move that he took Tillman out. After throwing 105 pitches, it was maybe noteworthy that he put Andrew Miller in in the sixth, who I think hadn't been used in the sixth during the regular season, and Miller was great. And they've got a really deep rest of the bullpen, and that was the story, other than their offense, which was also pretty good, unless it was just the Tigers' bullpen being bad. So that was the story of that game, and the Royals played another really good, exciting, extra inning game that was fun i don't it's hard even to tell whether it's just a knee jerk reaction to everything yoast does at this point it seems to be any move that yoast makes is immediately criticized there wasn't anything that got as much abuse in this game probably as as the ventura decision but there were there were still things but that doesn't necessarily have to be the story of the game we can talk mm. about other things that happened
1: well, the, the Vargas move got more abuse than the Ventura thing as it was happening. Mm-hmm. Like uh, pre-Moss home run, I don't uh-huh. think the Ventura move had nearly the. Uh, we're watching a train wreck in slow motion right. kind leaving, of vibe.
0: Leaving Vargas in for the sixth. Leaving Vargas in for the sixth, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Which uh, was I that I mean, it, there there's this weird there's this way that Yost seems to be. Uh, completely, uns- I don't know, I'm totally projecting, I don't know, I mean, I'm not looking into his soul or anything, but based on his moves, there's this kind of, I like, this impression that he's, he's like, lost his center, that he doesn't know what to do, and he is constantly kind of looking over his shoulder at the last thing he screwed up, or that people criticized him for, or that maybe he didn't screw up, but that it turned against him, and trying to avoid making the same mistake, and uh, you just sort of, I don't know, you get the feeling that... that He's uh, like kind of almost incapable of thinking things through right now. I know that he's not. I know that that's like way exaggerating what's <laughs> actually going on in his head. But it's like it feels like he makes the the counter move from the previous one in the next game, even though the circumstances are different in the <laughs> next game. Uh-huh. Like they're all like all the details are different. You can't just go, oh well, I got uh, I pulled James Shields too early. So I can't do that again. But it's not James Shields anymore, and it's not the same game, and it's not Ventura, and it's not Moss. It's all different stuff. And so then you have him leaving Vargas in in the sixth. Um, and I don't think that it was uh, it was it, it was not a good idea. I don't think to leave Vargas in. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm on the I'm on the uh, I'm on team pull the starter as soon mm-hmm. as you can, especially in postseason. Uh, but I don't think that it was like. Uh, a historically bad I mean it wasn't abnormal I, mm-hmm. I mean Vargas had thrown 70 some pitches I think it's probably the the median manager does just what Joost did probably mm-hmm. and we paid a lot more attention to it because it's Joost right. we're, uh, we're,
0: we're not sure he has a center at mm-hmm. this point um, and, yeah go and, ahead and, and probably the same, same thing with Holland and not bringing Holland in in a in a tie game on the road, which is uh-huh. something that many managers, maybe most managers, wouldn't do. And, and
1: I don't know. Course, is it true that they wouldn't do it in the postseason, too? I know they maybe wouldn't Maybe that, it
0: that changes postseason. things. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it did seem kind of crazy to bring Danny Duffy in, a lefty, to face the, the heart of the Angels' order. And Trout and Pujols coming up, that seemed, seemed risky, seemed scary. It worked out fine, just like... Uh, everything that that Yost has done so far.
1: I uh, see I thought that the bringing in Tim Collins mm. was that was probably the one where I was most flabbergasted cuz Collins just isn't very good. I mean, uh-huh. he got he got uh, he got demoted this year. He was left off the wild card game roster unless I, I haven't double checked but unless he was unavailable for some reason, he was left off the wild card game roster so this guy who again assuming that's what happened this guy who two days ago wasn't one of your like 14 best pitchers or however many pitchers they carried now he's the guy you go to in the ninth um and i get that he's left-handed and that josh hamilton is like the
0: one <laughs> that was so
1: ugly oh that well hamilton. that was really I mean, not, maybe maybe he knew that Hamilton. I mean, maybe he knew that Collins' repertoire was just what was going to get Hamilton out because that was as bad as anybody has ever looked at the plate. <laughs> but Collins has no platoon split. I mean, Collins is the least loogie lefty ever. I mean, Collins might. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some play indexing right now. In fact, <laughs> but uh, so it seemed very weird to me that it was it was Collins there, um, and that bothered me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean the. The, the main story of the game, I suppose, was the pitching and the fact that Trout went hitless and Pujols went hitless and Kendrick went hitless with three strikeouts and Hamilton went hitless in five plate appearances. And, and uh, no matter who Yost put in, that was, that was what happened. The, the vaunted Angels offense didn't really deliver other than a couple of solo shots by Ionetta and Freeze. And of course, the Royals went without a hit for several innings, also, and uh, then Mustakis ended it, and that was that was that. So it was it was a fun fun game, nail biting, intense, good good playoff baseball.
1: How how close are we to the uh, Trout can't play in the postseason narrative? How clo- <laughs> I, I mean, I not not how close, like how likely is it that it's going to happen? But how how many played appearances? I think he might already be there. Like, I think there will yeah. already be talk. I think- right,
0: because there was that one, there was the one at bat, right, where he had the chance to, there was a guy on second, was it, and he had the chance to to drive in the go-ahead run. And, I, yeah, I, I saw lots of tweets sarcastically saying it and and sort of warning that we are going to get the hot take from someone saying that Trout can't hit in October and i guess we're all collectively sensing that it is going to happen and trying to prepare ourselves for it so yeah maybe 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 one more offer it takes
1: i i um i saw let's see i saw i think i saw two of his bats and the rest i was listening so i haven't double checked this hypothesis but i had the feeling that based on the the two at-bats I saw, as well as the first at-bat, which I saw the, the, the pitch chart of, that the Royals were extremely committed to the kind of advanced scouting report on Trout. The throw him fastballs high, he can't hit them, and it's mm-hmm. the weirdest thing in the world that the best player in baseball can't hit this one pitch that you can just throw over and over and over. Mm-hmm. They seemed very, very committed to that. Mm-hmm. And the the it feels like everybody in baseball probably had the same advanced scouting report on john lester too right that has. Mm-hmm. i'm sure they all noticed that he doesn't throw over to first yes and you can get a big lead but the royals were really committed they're like us oh, you know we're gonna do it until you make us not do it and uh i, I wonder if the same thing is kind of happening with trout where maybe maybe they're more committed to that than other teams are and uh, you know Trout He even, even though teams have been pitching him more and more up and hard in the second half he still hasn't figured out a way to beat it and um, it would be interesting to see if uh, if either he finds a way to beat it or if they uh, the Royals don't stay committed to that plan or if it's simply the fact that if you aim there and you miss he hits home run or mm-hmm. he, you hit him or you miss and walk him or whatever like there's you still have to execute, and it's hard to
0: execute. It is hard to believe that Mike Trout has a hole, has a permanent hole somewhere, that mm-hmm. he won't adjust to that if he does continue seeing those pitches. He did work a, a pretty good walk, a eight-pitch walk against Wade Davis in the eighth, so it wasn't wasn't a complete loss for him. Uh, Are you still play-indexing?
1: Yeah, I'm, let's see. So active pitchers, Ricky, Ricky Romero is a lefty with a reverse split, and... Uh, Jaime Garcia has a very small reverse split. Brian Burris has a small reverse split. Jose Quintana, a very small reverse split. So he is not yet unique in this. However, there's a, I, there's 128 names that came up in my query of lefties who had faced X number of righties. And it looks like there's like maybe six with a reverse split. And mm-hmm. Collins, I think, is has the biggest of them uh-huh. in his
0: career. Mm-hmm. Well, you would not have known it from that Hamilton at-bat that was ugly. Yeah. Anything else from that game? Jared Weaver looked pretty well, pretty good.
1: Yeah, Jared Weaver looked pretty good. Just uh,
0: throwing lots of stuff in the 60s and getting swings and misses with it.
1: Yeah, what, how far do you think you'd have to go back to find a postseason game where the starters' average fastballs on both teams <laughs> yeah. was slower than this game?
0: Yeah, right, when... Kelvin Herrera came in. He, he didn't actually pitch, but if he had pitched, his changeup probably would have been faster than the starter's fastballs. I don't know that that has to be pretty uncommon to have two guys like that going, particularly yeah. in a in a game one of a series. Yeah, um,
1: good point. Uh, Mike Sosha bunting with Cole Calhoun. Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: brutal. Is, even brutal. after even after the count got to three one. Oh, 3-1 with the platoon advantage. <laughs> oh, Guy who hasn't bunted hardly at all. And it's trout coming up next though. Trout coming
1: up next. That was that was hard.
0: <laughs> That's about as bad as a bunt gets, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah. No, I know. No no bunt Ned Yost will call for in this postseason <laughs> will be as mockable uh-huh. as that one was.
0: Yep. And there was another Terrence Gore appearance and another easy steal of second. He did not attempt to steal a third. If he had, he might have scored. If sur- uh, if yeah. that next fly ball had happened. You surprised that
1: um, Houston Street and or Joe Smith were only allowed
0: one inning. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look and see how they've been used all year.
1: Well, it's October. It is. I mean, presumably they have. I mean, you know, we know how baseball works. They've been used in one inning since. I bet neither one of them has <laughs> gone more than four outs but smith threw 12 pitches street through 11 it's uh this is this is the game
0: yeah yeah if they're physically capable of doing it this is the time when you'd like them to do it
1: the angels are carrying nine relievers
0: yeah well they sh- they should right they, they've, they've got a lot of good ones and they've got a three-man rotation
1: they have a 10 every day they go in to the game with 10 pitchers available. how many games I'm gonna do some play indexing how many games do you think there have been I hope this is due I hope this is findable. Uh, how many games do you think there have been where 10 pitchers pitched in like the last like since
0: 2000 playoff games any games um, I don't know how many pitched in that last in the in the wild card game were there 10 for one of those teams?
1: Um, I don't know I don't think so no there weren't no I don't think.
0: No, yeah, it's it's not common. Fine number of
1: players, batters faced since 2000. They're all going to be September.
0: The Royals only used seven pitchers in that wild card game.
1: Uh huh. All right, it's play indexing.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: All right, so September. If if we exclude September, because those games don't count. hmm There have been seven games since 2000 <laughs> in which ten pitchers pitched. Okay. So just now you know that. The Angels are prepared for the eighth.
0: Yeah, maybe over prepared. Uh, Okay, so that was that. Do we want to just quickly say something about the series that are starting today? We've got the Giants and the Nationals. Is there any reason to think that what seems to have become the consensus that the Nationals are the favorite? With the World Series favorite or certainly the pennant favorite is not the case. Is there any reason not to pick the Nationals to win this series? Is there any weakness on the Nationals that you perceive? Uh,
1: Not really. Um, The Nationals are favored 63% to 37% in this game, in the Monday game. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's a big pitching mismatch between Mm -hmm. Strasburg and Peavy. But... They all are, <laughs> other than, other than Game Three, they're all pretty much big pitching mismatches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would expect the Nationals. I I think the Nationals. Well, let's see. They'll be favored in every game, even on the road, except for probably the Bumgarner game.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, it does so- hurt the Giants that they will not have Bumgarner for two games in this series. And I, I mean, is is PV? a truly better pitcher than he was with Boston? Is he anywhere near as good as he has been for the Giants? Who knows? <laughs> I thought you might.
1: No, I would say he's not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would. I mean, first of all, I would say he's not, just because, I mean, if he, he hasn't, like, it's not like he blows you away with how great he is. He's, you know, he's had some good starts, and, you know, he he's sort of... Uh, I don't know. It's not like he's striking out 16 batters in a game. He's not Corey Kluber. Uh, mm-hmm. But second, he's 33. He's Jake Peavy. What you think he's changing? Like you think he just he he gets to this point in his career and then he gets on a plane and he's like, ah, I think I'll <laughs> fix things.
0: Uh, happened. It Jake worked for Peavy. worked for Ryan Vogelsong once.
1: Uh, Vogelsong is not Jake Peavy. That's my point. It's like mm-hmm. Jake Peavy has pretty much got pitching down. Like he's. I think that Jake Peavy. Like, knows what he's doing, has known for a very long time, has good days, has bad days, but there is no radical Jake Peavy transformation coming. And if there is, it didn't just happen because he got traded. He's Jake Peavy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Jake Peavy is like the most predictable thing in the world, other than the postseason. I don't think that I. We're not going to make a big deal out of his postseason record, I hope. Not I. He, he, do you know about his post? I mean, he is,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. he's.
1: Yeah. Very poor. Very poor uh-huh. record but we won't make a big deal out
0: of that. Yeah. No. And Tim Hudson has pitched quite poorly lately. I like the idea that cuz when you talked to him earlier in the season, he seemed to credit his ankle injury for pitching mm-hmm. well almost that his his control had been so good because he was sore still from the ankle and he was conscious of that and he was not pushing off as hard and so he had better control and I wondered at the time what happens when his ankle feels fine and he's healthy. Does he pitch worse? And probably that is not the reason why he's pitching worse, but he is pitching worse. The Dodgers are
1: more heavily favored than the Nationals in game one, which sort of surprises me because the Cardinals have Adam Wainwright going, and Uh the Cardinals seem like a really good team in a way that I'm not sure that the Giants are. Uh, But Kershaw.
0: Yeah, well, Kershaw-Wainwright is about as small a gap as you can have in a game started by Kershaw. But, yeah. But, but yeah. Still,
1: yeah, 65, uh, 64 to 36. The Angels are 60 to 40 over the Royals in game two, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess tells you that, pro- well, I don't know, maybe it doesn't, but I was going to say I guess it tells you that Pakota sort of buys Matt Shoemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, And the uh, Orioles are 54 to 46 over the Tigers, which basically means home field
0: advantage and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, okay, so Nationals-Giants seems to be a, a pretty easy call in that the Nationals just have an amazing rotation, and every single starter in it is really good, and even the guys who didn't make their rotation are really good, and now they're in the bullpen, and there's no apparent weakness there. I guess defensively, the Giants are a better team than the Nationals, but that's the only place where they really have a clear advantage, and it's not as if the Nationals are, are the Tigers fielding-wise. So, And maybe you could say that Bochi is an advantage also. I don't think any I don't have a clear sense of what Matt Williams is exactly, but but Bochi's good, so there's that. But yeah, I, I can't really come up with a reason why the Giants would be favored to win this series, other than Hunter Pence's motivational speaking abilities. Mm-hmm. And the other series is closer, as you as you said, it seems like it should be closer. The Dodgers were my preseason pick to win the World Series, so I don't know whether I'm obligated to my spring self and I'm supposed to stick with that pick or whether I can now reevaluate, but I I guess that the Dodgers would... I mean, it's it's not a huge difference, especially with, with Rue being kind of iffy, but when you have Kershaw and Greinke and, and the best lineup in the league, probably, that... Is a pretty strong start, and the Cardinals have have pitched a lot better, and and Lance Lynn has been really good all year, and Shelby Miller has been good lately, and seems to have found more pitches that would enable him to be a successful pitcher, and things have gone well for them lately. But that's other than other than the Dodgers' Blue Shield not turning out to be so hot. I guess they are still. The favorite here,
1: you know, I had Blue Shield once, and it actually wasn't that great. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. You
1: really want Kaiser uh. if, if you're in this area. Uh
0: huh. Yes, so. I've, I've heard that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. So that's that's that for that series. Anything else on NLDSs? I don't think so. Okay. So we encourage you to enjoy a four-game day today. First game starts at 12, last game starts at 9:30, so if you'd like to you can make this a full 12 hours or or given how long Royals games are going these days, 13 or 14 hours of baseball. So enjoy that. Please join the Facebook group so that you can read Sam's article on intentional ball velocity at facebookcom group wild, where 1800 something other listeners are talking about baseball and arranging meetups. This is a new thing, effectively wild listener meetup groups to watch baseball this October. So you can go there and post where you are and find some other people to watch baseball with. And please send us listener emails. We will get to them at some point. There will be a slow day at some some point next week probably where we will do some listener emails. So send some at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Please rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. The ratings and reviews help us attract new listeners and convince them that we're worth listening to. And please support the sponsor, BaseballReference.com. Go to BaseballReference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. And have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy playoff baseball. We will be back on Monday.